This is the Southeast Asia Business Podcast with me, Dana Bloom. Oh yeah, flip it, flip the airplane mode. Uh, if you can't reach me, I apologize. I didn't ignore you; I was in the skies. In the skies, man, you know I got a big surprise. Ask me why, cause I'm trying to build an enterprise. What's going on, everyone? Dana Blue and Southeast Asia Business Podcast here on EFM, the one and only podcast network for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. With me today, we're talking with Hazwan Najib. He is the co-founder, director of Doctor on Call. It's not a concierge medicine service exactly, but it's definitely something that's interesting. I think has a very unique place in the ecosystem, both medically and tech-wise. So, Hazwan, thank you for uh, coming on the show today, man. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for having me. Hazwan, explain to me, explain to the listeners in detail what Doctor on Call is. Okay. Uh, Doctor on Call is basically a clinic, but an online clinic where you can chat, phone, or video call with a doctor. You can, uh, if the doctor can diagnose you, he will issue a prescription. And the best part is, if you're sick, you don't have to get out of bed. We can send the medications right to you. Right to your place. So... I, is, it, is it a mobile app? Is it a website? How do you guys operate right now? Right now, it's a, it's a web app okay. where you can use on your mobile, your laptop. Pretty much use it anywhere. Now, you guys have been in business two years just about? Yeah, about two years, but full launch last year, early last year. About a year, year and a half. Now, with that, you know, I know you're operating right now only in Malaysia. Now, are there regulatory issues that you face in Malaysia as far as Two things. Uh, one, medical regulations as far as operating an online clinic because it's kind of a newer concept for here. Second, privacy, data privacy. You know, we, I want to tackle that right up front because I, I know that that's going to be one of the biggest questions listeners have. Online clinic, Asia, what's the privacy look like? Okay, great. On the medical regulation side, um, we first met the Ministry of Health um, late, uh, early last year. So this is when we went to market, uh, launched it, and everyone's asking, is it legal? Are you licensed? Is doc- are the doctors real? Are they qualified doctors? So, we, so those are the time when people ask, is it legal, right? And we went to present to the Ministry of Health, to the Department of Telehealth. So Ministry of Health also has a Department of Telehealth looking at the development of telehealth, which is exactly what we are. Um, we had a first meeting and then a few engagements, so we presented them our technology, um, how, how safe we are, our, our uh, privacy compliance. Uh, you asked about the privacy um, uh, questions. Uh, we are fully HIPAA compliant, okay. so that's a standard that they use in the States for yeah. many telehealth players. And from my understanding of, in, not Malaysia specifically, but Asia in general as a region, Southeast Asia, uh, HIPAA is well above and beyond most of the standards that are in place from a regulatory perspective in these countries. Yep. So uh, a year later, um, we have been working really closely with Ministry of Health. Uh, they have launched a telemedicine development group mm-hmm. where they're looking at the uh, telemedicine policies and regulations. We have, the country has one telemedicine, uh, draft telemedicine regulation, 1997. That's before the smartphone and yeah. internet. <laughs> yeah, we'll... we'll well, that's what I was going to say, because when you told me that you fall under telemedicine, I was going to say it's kind of a weird classification for what you guys do, because my understanding of telemedicine is really, especially in, 
in most of Southeast Asia and in the U.S. where I'm from, it was really developed like back in the 90s, more of a way to do outreach to rural areas that didn't have access to a hospital or a doctor. I was in Sabla a few months ago, and I met a lot of people who talked about you know telemedicine, and, and that's basically still phone calls with a uh, with a doctor. So. How are they adjusting those regulations to fit you guys? Because you definitely don't, in, in my perspective, don't fit under that. Te it, technically, yes, you're telemedicine, but much more technological. Okay, so um, it is definitely uh, new, right? Uh, there's so many, I mean, even if you ask doctors, are you, if you ask them, are you trained to give consults on the phone when you're in medical school, right? So that's not the case. Um, so that, there's a lot of concerns because it's a new territory, right? Just like Uber and Grab when they first come in, like people are asking, skeptical, like, is it safe? To, how do I write, uh, to write with a, with a stranger and, and whatnot, right? Yes. So um, right now when we talk to the Director General of Health, um, he said that the first thing first is uh, patient safety. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that uh, all the, uh, based on the existing regulation and, and guidelines, to make sure the patients are safe, right? So our platform won't be able to handle the emergency or chronic, uh, I mean, severe cases, right? So we are positioned to handle the common cough and cold, um, the skin rashes, conjunctivitis, eye con and, and all this. 70% uh, you go to a primary care clinic, yeah. <clears throat> right? So the doctors are trained to, um, so we have a medical director to train the doctors, make sure that they know, the, uh, and they practice the line of questioning for certain, uh, certain symptoms, make sure they don't miss out anything because it's a telehealth uh, anyway, right? So you can't, you can't touch the patients definitely, yeah. right? So many people ask us, how do you uh, diagnose without touching the patients? Uh, I can't answer that because I'm not a doctor myself, mm -hmm. but I leave it to my doctors to use their judgment and, tell, and they have to be, because they, uh, they're practicing on their medical license, right? So they have to be conservative if they want to. They can always send the patients to the clinic or emergency room or yeah. for further testing. Well, I mean, th that's the doctor's primary goal anyway is patient care, right? Safety of the patients. What is the, the medical oath is do no harm, right? And I think it helps um, if you think about, um, yeah, a lot of skepticism, but it also helps a lot of people. Um, among our early adopter segments are people looking for privacy uh, priv on private matters. So you're talking about men's health, sexual health, uh, women's health, right? And if you see all these things are the kind of thing people Google on the internet, yeah. right? And start self-medicating on go to lawyer forum and like, like asking for, uh, you know, informal advice. And, you know, someone is selling some medication, herbal medication somewhere. Say, oh, this can help you. This will help you out. Those are even more dangerous, right? And these are not typically the reason. Uh, I mean, it, most people think it doesn't warrant you to go to a clinic and wait, uh, start waiting in lines and then asking a doctor all these questions. Basically, early adopters are people worried about STDs and due to want dick pills, right? Um, that, that was your early adopters. Uh, yes. I mean, they, they not necessarily uh, end up with diagnosis and medication, but they just want to know, okay, I have the symptoms. Um, we have a function where you can upload photos and, <laughs> and you, doctors can see the kind of rashes or the kind of condition and we're, we're talking about, advice accordingly. We're, we're talking about dick pics, basically. Yeah, some, some of them, I guess, because I'm not a doctor. I don't see those. Yeah, yeah so you can ask one of my doctors if they see those. <laughs> and that your doctors wouldn't tell us because of privacy. So, but, I mean, it, it makes sense that those were your early adopters, right? Because that's a segment that, you know, 
if you're someone who has potentially has an STD, maybe you don't want to go to your family physician who you've seen for 20 years, right? Who knows your parents and exactly and all those things. So you find a clinic far away. From exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> so but, but I mean, it makes sense because you're you're servicing a group there, and then you know, it's not like it's not. This isn't Bangkok. You can't buy dick pills on the side of the road, right? So some guy who maybe has ED or whatever wants to do that, he can go about that privately. But obviously, you need to scale beyond that as a business, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, we uh, we started this. We so we saw this trend. It's good to get early traction, but we really don't want to be a men's health clinic or a STD clinic, right? So well, well I mean, but um, people are always people are always going to have STD, so you'll be in business for a long time. <laughs> it's a primary care clinic. Yeah, yeah. but it, but if you want to scale and grow, right? How do you go beyond that track? Yep. So uh, if you notice in uh, in Malaysia, many people are uh, their healthcare are paid by the employers. Uh, so employ their employees have the insurers or third party administrators. So last year we started engaging some of the insurers um, to to uh, to uh, to try our service, mm -hmm. right? So we ended up signing a few a couple of insurers <coughs> that they they are launching with their employee benefit components. So so we are just like an uh, a panel clinic in their in the employers uh, list, right? Mm -hmm. So r they don't make it mandatory for, for the employees to go online, but uh, it's an option, right? If, if you're sick at home, you just you don't want to go to the clinic down the road. You can, uh, as an employee, you can use a service, yeah. and it's paid for by the company. So that's kind of good because it gives an employer a chance to lower the cost of healthcare. Correct. Right, and it gives them also the opportunity to probably improve quality, and also help their employees save their personal time. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, just, um, I mean, some people with chronic conditions, for example, diabetes, hypertension, they have to go to the clinics every month to pick up the medication. Yeah. And every time they go, they have to half a day off, right? So that's not good. So that's like 12 times a year, not including any other illnesses. Yeah, six days, six full days if it's a half a day, right? And our uh, service with a consultation, be uh, because the doctors are using their spare capacity to provide consult, mm -hmm. so they can uh, provide cheaper consultation, uh, uh, and also as well because we source our medication from the pharmacy as well, so the medications are generally uh, cheaper. Uh, how does it work on the doctor side? Do you just have a pool of doctors who are kind of waiting for the next call? And they, like you said, they're using their spare capacity. So I'm between patients. I say, all right, I can take a call right now. Or how does it work? Yep. So um, we uh, the doctors are paid uh, per call basis, uh, but there are also uh, we need to make sure that uh, we have enough doctors on standby every hour that we operate. Okay. We open every day, including including public holidays and Sundays. Uh, not 24/7. It's from eight in the morning until 12 midnight. Good enough. I mean, we did explore the 24 hours before. It's just that the calls that come in after 12 midnight tend to be a bit more emergency calls, and we can't help anyway. So we have to end up directing them to the clinic. And we realize all these midnight cases tend to be a bit more severe, and we can't handle. And is yeah, you guys are just general practitioner type of stuff. So we open daily 8 to 12 uh, midnight, and every hour we need to make sure that uh, there's enough doctors to take uh, the calls. And the average waiting time is less than three minutes. Shit, even if I have an appointment at my doctor, I can't wait less than three minutes. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, if I have a one o'clock appointment, you're, you're getting into the doctor. You're actually seeing the doctor by one thirty. So, less than three minute wait time is amazing. Yeah, totally right. <laughs> the express clinic when I was in the states is like next Wednesday, dude. Like I, I'm in pain now. By next Wednesday, I'll probably it's, it'll be gone. <laughs> yeah. True, man. Yeah, it's 
know, so less than three minute wait time. That's great. And how many users on the platform right now? Um, we have over uh, 15,000 uh, registered uh, members. Just in, that's only KL, right? Or that's all of Malaysia? Uh, nation, mostly Malaysia, na nationwide, because we deliver nationwide. Okay, so you do deliver nationwide. And we also do get uh, increasingly a growing number of uh, patients from overseas. Really? Um, in the region. So uh, Indonesia, Brunei. Um, I think um, a lot of people do trust. Uh, some Malaysian doctors uh, go through a certain number of years of training, and their uh, language-wise, they can speak English and, and Bahasa. Um, and and um, they are affordable, right? So so we have seen growing number of people trying to get second medical opinion from Brunei or from uh, Indonesia or remote town in Indonesia talking to Malaysian doctors. Um, and I think because we did spend like uh, in my previous life in Accenture, uh, I spent about a year and a year and a half in in Indonesia. And you know how hard it is to even get a basic care, uh, you have to wait in the clinic. and Or if you want to go to the really um, a private one, it's very, very expensive. Yeah. End up like two, three hundred dollars because of, because of the system, right? So so we are we are getting some of this traffic from Indonesia. And we know a lot of our, my ex-colleagues in, uh, in Indonesia also travel to Malaysia on a quarterly basis to just get a routine checkup. Really? Wow. Just to get, just so they can get go to the doctor, get a checkup, be on their way. Wow. Now with that, I mean, you said like so you do get some people from other countries, mostly you said Indonesia and uh, Brunei, reaching out for second opinions on stuff or for some advice. Have you thought about potentially doing like a uh, like a more in depth like second opinion type analysis thing for like oncology or? Or surgery, stuff like that. Okay, uh, you're right. So you're talking about a specialist. Uh, yeah, services. like a more of a specialist. Right thing. now, yes, we, we only do primary care, uh, which is GP, uh, general pra uh, practice. Uh, so, so all the basic common uh, conditions. We haven't gone into the specialist services yet. Um, we, um, yes. It's in the pipeline. It's in the pipeline. It's just that we haven't figured out the right business model for that. The problem is you, you don't have that many specialists around in any countries, and they're always busy. So if you, you can't provide, uh, if they don't have a lot of spare capacity, so you don't have a supply, mm -hmm. right? You don't have a stable supply. So we'll see if we can uh, launch that service, probably on not all uh, spe specialty, maybe on certain type of specialty. Yeah, yeah perhaps uh, pediatrician. Yeah, I, ju I just talked to a, um, a company in Manila that was doing kind of uh, outsourced radiology. So, because I guess it has like a really low density of radiologists. And so they were looking at ways that radiologists could uh, consult remotely on things, which is kind of difficult in a country with really bad infrastructure because I guess radiology files are huge. Yeah. Like, like an MRI is massive. And I think specifically radiologists, uh, it's also a segment of uh, health care that is quite uh, Right for disruption because of the whole um, artificial intelligence and the, the because it's all about data, right? So some people compile millions of data and then they start having a bot to read your 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 MRI and whatnot. Your MRI, your X-ray. Well, they were also explained to me that this, the 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 data structure for MRI for radiology data is actually like really antiquated from like the 90s. It's all server based and. So it really is ripe for disruption. Yeah, yeah, uh, and not just that, right? I mean, you have your blood test, blood report, 
um, so right now, I mean, if you go to one clinic and you do your blood test there and it, it stays there, whatever medication you were given to, it stays in that one clinic. And you go to another doctor, you just, most people don't remember what was given before. And, and right, so right now, what we are trying to do is, um, so whenever you, you have a first consult with us, right, and, uh, so you have all your uh, the diagnosis or medication that was given, the doctor's notes and everything. So the next time you use it, right, the doctors keep saying, oh, uh, actually last time you were given this, and then whether it works, doesn't work, or you have uh, allergic, allergies to something, then, then at least the medical record, that, that por portion of medical is there somewhere. So the doctors, the, next, the future doctors can refer to it. Oh, so right now in Malaysia, there's no kind of a shared pharmaceutical or medical database? So you guys are kind of building the foundations for that, or at least internally. Yes, yes. So uh, minimally to at least know what was given uh, previously. And you can upload your blood test, blood report, and everything. so everything is uh, centralized. So it's a place where you can just go to a doctor and then like download whatever that was prescription or referral letter. Oh, yeah, we wrote referral letters to doctors. You can download and... Okay. Wow, really cool. Now... With that, I mean, so I know now you're in the pharmacy space, you're doing, you know, the kind of on-call doctor, you're working with the companies, the insurers. What do you see as the next steps for doctor on-call in Malaysia? Um, okay, so um, we, the Malaysian market itself is um, um, quite big because it's uh, healthcare, and I think I was just uh, reading some numbers. Uh, in fact, the, the amount of spend between Malaysia, the 30 million people, and Indonesia at 300 million people, the amount of spend is actually almost the same. So we know that the... Wait, wait, wait really? It's, it's, the spend is the same? Is, uh, Indonesia is slightly more, but uh, it's not a lot more. Not, not enough to, to, for 10 times the population is what you're saying. Wow. I mean, that, that's just a, in some numbers that we, uh, we saw, right? Um, but definitely because of, um, I think... We, we want to grow regional, right? but we want to build Malaysia as a foundation because it is a complicated industry, right? You, you have like employers, insurers, administrators, brokers, regulators. Like, so you need to tie up all this uh, thing up and integrate your system with the pharmacy, the prescription system, and, all, and all, all this, right? So we're building the foundation in Malaysia, and we want to tackle this market uh, aggressively this year until mid of next year. And at the same time, we, we have a strategy to go into new market, uh, probably Indonesia, uh, which we are experimenting and testing now. So, yes. Yep. And, and we want to leverage on the, the similar languages. And, and, yeah. Do you have a VI that's similar? It's not... Um, it is quite similar. It's so understandable. So our... Our doctors here who can speak Bahasa Malaysia can understand Bahasa Indonesia. Yeah, unless it's a very like uh, remote dialect in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. that I, I know that a lot of Malaysians are a little bit more familiar with, uh, with uh, Indonesian because of the movies and you know, that whole culture bleeds over here quite a bit. But I mean, I was wondering about from like the patient side, like it seems... When I've been to Indonesia with Malaysians, it seems like Indonesians don't understand Malaysians as well as Malaysians understand Indonesians because of the whole movie thing. So, and obviously typing, <laughs> typing in, in that language, you know, makes, makes a difference. I don't know. Yeah, I think there are words that 
that's totally different. Uh, yeah, I, I think maybe I can understand better than they can understand me. I mean, I, I was uh, working uh, as a consultant for a bank. Uh, I did try my best to speak in Bahasa sometimes. But the feedback was, oh, sorry, I don't, <laughs> we don't quite understand you. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> but uh, I think uh, um, if you look at the urban population, maybe it's not, um, it's not that bad. I think when my mom goes there, uh, I mean, normal you know, street uh, language, because I was trying to, to explain some very business concept in Bahasa, which I don't even use here, so it's difficult. Yeah. But I think normal consultant, language should be okay um, and then we have seen those and we're talking about urban population like from Jakarta yeah. should be an issue and there are 35 million in Jakarta alone that's yeah. bigger than Malaysia it's huge yeah it's a huge uh, population high density really seems like a great fit yeah. so when do you expect that expansion international expansion to uh, probably you'll see something um, towards the end of the year uh, and early next year yeah well, uh, Hazwan, I want to thank you for taking the time coming and talk to me. I know it's the end of the day. Everyone's tired. I can see everyone's already leaving behind us. I'm sure you want to get home. Uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, do me a favor. Before we go, though, just let the listeners know if they want to check out Doctor on Call, if they want to find it online, where can they do that? Okay, so um, you can use your devices, laptop. Just open any browsers. It works best on, uh, I mean, it works on Safari or Google Chrome. Just go to Doctor on Call dot com dot my um, and just register and um, and start using it we open even today it's public holiday until 12 midnight it's 12 midnight you can send your dick pics all the way until 12 midnight <laughs> someone will take a look at it please don't do that <laughs> I mean, uh, don't be, uh, you know uh, we, we, send we those have to block some numbers for send those know? direct to house <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah we do deliveries on uh, public holidays as well nice Seven days a week. Yeah, right now our chat with the doctor we offer uh, complimentary. Nice. For now, so you can just start chatting. It's just that we can't issue prescription or um, any medication. You need the actual consultation. Yeah, so that. we have to have a proper audio or video consult. Well, Hazwan, again, thank you very much, guys. Those notes will be in. Uh, those links will be in the show notes, so you can check that out. Until next time, stay on that grind.